are you comfortable sharing how much revenue you did your first year writing? I am if I knew the number. I've, <laughs> I've been, <laughs> I've been uh, monetizing since call it late August, early September. Okay. Uh, so we kind of, it'll be three months of monetization. And I would imagine it's somewhere around 50,000 or so. So it's yeah. a good, it's a good run rate. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka. Now, if you're hearing this, it means you're not currently on our subscriber feed. To subscribe, go to getlatka.com. When you subscribe, you won't hear ads like this one. You'll get the full interviews. Right now, you're only hearing partial interviews. And you'll get interviews three weeks earlier from founders, thinkers, and people I find interesting. Like Eric Wan, 18 months before he took Zoom public. We got to grow faster, minimum is 100% over the past several years. Or bootstrap founders like Vivek of Question Pro. When I started the company, it was not cool to raise. Or Looker CEO Frank Bean before Google acquired his company for $2.6 billion. We want to see a real pervasive data culture, and then the rest flows behind that. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. There, you'll find a private RSS feed that you can add to your favorite podcast listening tool, along with other subscriber-only content. Now look, I never want money to be the reason you can't listen to episodes. On the checkout page, you'll see an option to request free access. I grant 100% of those requests, no questions asked. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Packy McCormick. He's the founder of Not Boring, a weekly newsletter covering strategy and finance through the stories of companies big and small. After starting his career at Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, he spent six years as the New York City GM and VP of experience at Breather. All right, Packy, you ready to take us to the top? Let's do it. Dude, Breather's like my go-to. I'm in LA and I can't find a quiet place to do interviews. I jump on Breather, I get a room and I'm good to go. It's perfect. I mean, it is It is good for that. That was a, an awesome experience. I was there for six years and 500 plus little spaces all around the world. It was That's a blast. wild. Was that pre or post Merrill Lynch? That was post. So I was about to go to business school after finance. had already quit finance, was ready to go to business school and then found Breather on AngelList and decided to put business school on hold and apply and see what happened. I know there was some shake. I was a big fan of Julian and I, there was a bit of a shake up there. Did you sort of leave at the same time or what drove you to like leave Breather? Yeah. So I actually, uh, after Julian left, was in the office of the CEO with a couple other guys for uh, for four months or so. Then we brought in a professional CEO. He brought in kind of a prof- professional exec team. So uh, I was trying to get out for most of 2019, tried to quit a couple of times and then uh, and then finally escaped in October of last year. Okay. Talk to me about the Substack romance. When did it start? Yeah. So it started actually right around the same time that we that we brought on uh, the CEO of Breather. I had a learning and development you know, budget, decided to take a writing class. David Perel's did that whole thing, learned how to learned how to launch a sub stack, kind of ran it on the side for a year. Uh, and what year was this? Year, this was April 2019. I started taking the course. Uh, and then this year, um, in April again, actually, when the pandemic hit, I had left breather, was in the middle of starting kind of something in-person, place-based. Uh, and obviously coronavirus put, put a hold on that plan. So I was like, you know what? I, I like this writing thing. Let me see if I just do this full time for a couple of months, if I can get to a spot where it looks like at some point in the future, I might be able to make a living doing this. 
and it grew faster than I expected. So now this is the thing. I love it. Okay, so I want to jump into your content because that's obviously what makes the machine work. Without great content, you're just another piece of you know thing out there. So we'll talk about your everyone hates Facebook posts, some of your other popular posts. Before we do that, I mean, can we start macro for a second? How on the for people not familiar with Substack, how does it work? Can people read your stuff for free? Do they have to subscribe? How's that? How's it work? Yeah, so you can uh, just subscribe it at notboring.substack.com, but it's totally free and ad supported. So that's not supported by Substack, but I've been lucky enough to find sponsors for kind of every post for the past few months. So that's supporting it. And I want to keep it kind of free and open. I think it grows better. More people can read it. It creates more serendipity. Like there's just a lot of good things that come if I'm, you know, kind of willing to trade off the security of a paid subscription. Yeah. Okay. So let me, let me understand that for a second. I'm looking at your everybody hates Facebook post from December 14th. You have a great new thing at the top. Welcome to the 2,121 newly. Is that real time? Is that coded or is you just manually look that up? You know, I manually do that and sometimes I forget. And so it says, welcome to the XXX. <laughs> For the most part, I get it. Okay. And it says, join, you know, the big, the number here, 25,452 folks. So you have that many subscribed to your Substack. Yeah. It's wild. I had 500 in April and that many now. That's, I mean, can you look at any serious inflection points? I mean, did someone mention you? Did you pay for ads somewhere? Yeah. That's been, uh, you know, mentions have been the biggest thing. The, the first big inflection point uh, came in June. I was working with a buddy kind of helping me on the growth side of it. Uh, and he was like, what if we just put up a landing page on Product Hunt and send people there? And so I'd already had kind of like 1,500 people subscribed to the newsletter. And so I sent out an email kind of describing why I was launching a landing page and, and asked people to kind of go check it out on Product Hunt. Got to number two. And I think in a couple of days, that drove 2,000 new subscribers. And from there, you know, it's really, I haven't, I think I'd probably tested like $100 with Facebook ads. At, you said 2,000, Packy, from Product Hunt? In a couple of days, yeah. Wow. I mean that's super compelling. I mean, so so I've got the I've got the post open. I mean, you got a significant amount of upvotes uh, on the post, um, and you were number two on the day, June eleventh, twenty twenty, seven hundred thirty eight upvotes. That, that's great. So and so did did this growth guy put together all these graphics you used for the product hunt preview? Yeah, we kind of did that together. Just you know. Uh, really threw the thing together in less than a week. Talked to a couple of people who had done product on things before, and decided to go for it. And we really we were like, if we get a hundred upvotes, maybe this will get some exposure. You know, I had a list of like a hundred different things I wanted to try. Product Hunt was one of the things on that list, and I think it was good because we had, you know, I'd spent the past year writing this newsletter and building up the community. So by the time I hit go on Product Hunt, people were willing to like, but then also comment. I think really helps the algorithm there, uh, and so. Between the two of those things, it just kind of rocketed to the top. And then it got, I think, top five for the week. So then it goes out in their email again. So it just was this like, you know, more than doubled the number of subscribers in a week. And kind of from there, you know, it's just hit escape velocity where at some Wait, point. Wait, hold on. Just, sorry. You had 15 pre product hunt. And then after seven days after product hunt, you were at, it didn't double the 15K, it doubled the 2K. Sorry. So I was at 1,500 and it, and it got me to like 3,500. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. So that was a big, and that was a huge inflection point. Are there any other inflection points like that? You added more than 2,000 new emails in a week? So this past week uh, was the first time, I think, since then where I've gotten more than 2,000. This was actually the best week ever. Wow. And it was a couple of different things. Like Andrew Wilkinson shared it. Patrick O'Shaughnessy shared it. Um, and one other, you know, one or two other people with big followings shared the API post that I wrote. And so that really, really helps. You know, when it's people that, that other people trust saying, I really like reading this or that particular uh, essay, 
that helps more than anything else. And my focus has really been away from growth and fully on the content at mm-hmm. this point. You know, those shares, sometimes they just write amazing content. They happen naturally. But a lot of this is sort of like social game theory. If you sort of mention certain people the right way, but it's still analysis, it's still valuable, they're more likely to share it. I mean, do you think about that strategically in your writing? It's inter- that is that's evolved in a pretty big way in the beginning, like absolutely. Because in the beginning, the newsletter was like you know five links, and I would say you know I, I mentioned this person in the link and this person, and would maybe I get a like from one of those people. I've stopped doing that quite as much. I think sometimes organically it happens. Like I wrote about Stripe, and then everybody at Stripe reads the piece, or you write yeah. about you know X Y Z company that's big enough that it can have an impact, but small enough that they're not being written about every day. Like. People within Facebook weren't sharing my Facebook post, most likely, uh, nearly as much as somebody at a Stripe or a Shopify or something else would would share if I wrote about uh, their company. So, 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 I, so that's just natural sharing. So, nothing else has added that many new subs in a week besides Product Hunt in this past week in December. Yeah. So this it's, is this guys. It's the hustle. It's, it's the grind. It's a grind. It's about you know. It's been about writing five thousand plus words every Monday and many Thursdays. So it's just it's that. I think um, you know. At, at, a certain point, people probably just feel bad that I'm spending all this time writing, and they're like, "All right, I'll, get, I'll throw this kid a share." Uh, <laughs> but you know, it's it's been it's it's cool to see that that has been so aligned that I don't have to worry on that worry about really growth hacky stuff yep. versus just writing the content because that's what I like doing. I want to jump into that writing process. A lot of people just struggle with writing. It sounds like you taught yourself. It wasn't something you were born with. You know, you, you really focused on it. You bought Perel stuff. Uh, before we do that, though, I want to talk economics for a second. So just to be clear, we're never going to see you on the Substack top grossing list because you're free. You'll never see me on that list also because today they rolled out an update. There's no more leaderboard. I, I just saw that. And, didn't get, <laughs> and now, now it's gone. In prep um, for this, I'm going, where, where, I know there's a leaderboard. Where the hell's the leaderboard? They t- I wonder why they no, took it away. I, they got scared. I was climbing up the ranks with an ad-supported <laughs> model, which they don't support. And so they had to take the leaderboard down. <laughs> so let me, I mean, let me ask a very real question. They write some code that allows them to strip out this on Juno post. Somehow they can tell it's an ad that you organically wrote into the post. I mean, do you have any way to pull these leads out and put them into MailChimp and keep going? Uh, for sure. Yeah. You do? They've been good about that from, from day one. So I can download all of my emails. It's really not that they're... I, I've spoken to people there. They're not anti-ads necessarily, but they're just really focused on building a subscription product. Yeah. Uh, and so I don't think they're going to be building an ad network anytime soon, which is fine by me. But, um, you know, certainly uh, it would be tough if they... If they did that last second, it, nothing they've done so far would suggest that they would just rip it out. So you do one ad. Again, I'm looking at this last one. You do one ad per post, so one ad, one sponsor per week, basically. Occasionally, I'll do one kind of post essay sponsor, but for the most part, I do either a, a, a top kind of sponsor on Monday or Thursday, or tomorrow I have a deep dive coming where a company will pay me to do kind of full analysis on the company, which it, I think is fascinating in its own right because. I thought that everyone was going to unsubscribe when I did the first one of those and people actually loved it because I'm writing about companies that I would actually use myself. I actually find interesting all of that. And so the fact that these companies are willing to pay me to do an analysis. Is Wait, how much would a company pay you to analyze their own business and have you not like make it a mushy, gushy article like you actually be critical? Yeah, I mean, my style is generally not super critical. So I think that works <laughs> pretty, actually like I, again, would only write about companies that I'm optimistic about and, and the way that my brain works. I'm terrible at seeing the downsides and I can see the like way bigger vision than even maybe the company has easily. And so like, that's kind of my writing style anyway. So people aren't like, wow, that's weird. Packy's normally very bearish and then he gets paid and he's super positive. Bullish, about a company. Yeah. 
my filter is, you know, if I'm really optimistic about a company anyway, like I wrote about a company called Main Street, which just gives companies free money by finding grants the government owes them. Like I'm super excited about that because one, it's an amazing thing for companies, but then two, I think the stuff that they're doing is actually like building a really interesting company or another one called Pipe. Like these are companies that I just feel psyched that I can even, you know, get a conversation in with the founder and like really dig in and learn the business. And so the fact that, you know, it's a sponsored thing, it really feels like a, a bit of a win-win. So I mean, we have a ton of SaaS entrepreneurs with a bunch of funding listening right now. I mean, what should they expect to pay you for something like that? Are we talking like five grand, 10 grand more? Yeah, 10 grand in January okay. and kind of it scales scales linearly with the audience is, is how I'm thinking about it now. Interesting. Okay, so that's sort of like a post for you to sort of look at someone's business, but a company like that just wants a placement like Juno, what would you charge them typically? I think in January, the rates are going to be about 4000 for a Monday and uh, 2500 for a Thursday. Interesting. And the difference is, you know, they go out to the same amount of people, but the Thursdays typically are just like the real meaty deep dives, and so they get shared a bit more. So like, you know, the 26,000 person list, the past few posts have gotten 50,000 plus views just uh, the, the past few Mondays because they just kind of take off a little bit at this point, which is great. And so when a sponsor says, oh, Packy 4K, that's like right on the edge of my budget. What do I get for that? You say, well, it's probably going to get 50,000 views and it's going to get X amount of what clicks. Is that what you, what you say? It, we don't even typically go that far. Substack has pretty crap metrics, <laughs> to be honest. So I tell people that, and I think there is, you know, most, I've been lucky that most of my sponsors read the newsletter. Uh, and so they kind of understand what the content is like and they understand what the audience is like and all of that. And so it's really kind of a mix between brand and direct response. And there's yep. obviously a trackable link in each one of them, but a lot of it is really, you know, a, a brand thing as well. We've got four minutes left. We have to go to writing stuff. I mean, this is 5,000 words every Monday. I mean, I remember when I wrote my book and my publisher goes, okay, ready, write. I rented an Airbnb in the middle of nowhere. And I was like, I'll just write. I sat down. I couldn't write for an hour straight. How do you write 5,000 words every Monday? It happens every single week where I hit send on Monday. I'm like, I'm never going to do that to myself again. <laughs> this week, I'm going to get ahead of it. And I'm going to pick my topic on Tuesday. And you know, then I'll, I'll just like never work. really takes it out over the week. Never works. It's always <laughs> Thursday afternoon if I'm lucky, Friday or Saturday morning. Uh, if I'm unlucky, that I figure out what is kind of interesting that week that combines both being interesting to me and something that kind of people are, are talking about. Um, so there's really no you know, no real process there. Something at some point will hit me. I'll sit there, I'll bang my head against the wall. And then once I figure out what I'm going to write about, I try to read the best things that have been written on the company. I, I, if it's a public company, then I'll dive into their kind of recent uh, earnings reports and listen to their their call because that typically gives kind of a sense for what the company thinks is important and what investors think is important. Um, I will listen to podcasts with the founders or people talking about the company and just really for like a day or so immerse myself in it. I always tell myself I'm going to do an outline. I rarely get past kind of the first section of the outline. And then I just dive in and start start writing. Interesting. Um, and then my mother and wife add it for me because they're saints. And we go from there. And so what do you, I'm curious what you see long-term here, right? Do you, you know, audience, if you argue that social capital is a precursor to financial capital, right? You're setting ourselves up beautifully to do something in the future. But like, what is that? Do you have a gut sense of what it could be? Or you're just like, trust the process? Trust the process. I mean, I, I was... I was at uh, Bank of America for four years. I was a breather for six years. It feels really nice just to have kind of this this optionality. And like you said, you know, every week I get to put my thinking out there. If there's a time in the future where I want to go get a job, I can hand the company, you know, 100, 200, 300,000 words of like, here's how I, I think. So it's, I think it's an interesting, uh, interesting top of funnel thing for that process. But for right now, if I can make a good living on this, I get to I have a syndicate on the side. 
that lets me scratch kind of the early stage investing itch, getting deeper into the public markets. This is kind of my dream job right now. So I, I don't know if I'm going to change too much. Two quick questions. Wrapping up the monetization strategy on just the newsletter. So your first full year is coming to a close, which is great for anyone thinking about getting started in January, like a New Year's goal. You're a great example. Are you comfortable sharing how much revenue you did your first year writing? I am if I knew the number. I've (laughs) been been, uh, monetizing since, call it late August, early September. Okay. Uh, So we kind of, it'll be three months of monetization. And I would imagine it's somewhere around 50,000 or so. So it's a good, it's a good run rate. That's great. Yeah. And who knows what you'll do with a full year performance in 2021. Talk to me quick last minute on the syndicate side of things. What's the size of the syndicate? How many LPs? Yeah, there's about 500 LPs in the syndicate. Jeez, we, uh, please. <laughs> it's, I mean, to your point, right? You, you, if, if you build an audience and it's related, I, I think if I wrote about politics and then tried to start a syndicate, it might be a different thing. But because every week I'm, I'm writing about how I think about companies, and I think people are like, oh, okay, cool. I know that I can kind of back this guy, review the materials, all of that myself still. But I know that I trust the way that he thinks about the way the companies work. And so this is at least a good way for me to look at deals that I think I might be interested in. And, and how and much total capital in the, in the syndicate? What's that? How much capital in the syndicate? Yeah. So the, the way the syndicate works is it's committed on each deal. Um, and so, you know, I'll bring a deal, get an allocation. People can say yes or no. And so we've done, this is our sixth deal tomorrow. We're launching our seventh deal. Oh, great. Uh, yeah. So it's been super fun. How much capital deployed in the first six deals? About a hundred thousand each, a little bit more. Oh, great. Uh, now it's 200 now. It's 250, so they're getting a little bit bigger as the LP base. You're doing it your own your own way or through AngelList? Through AngelList. Yeah. Good stuff, man. Dude, what have I not asked about? I think this is this is it. I mean, my life right now is <laughs> is writing and running the syndicate and, and could not be enjoying it more. Unbelievable. And so just to be clear, if a bigger media brand uh, came to you, I'm gonna actually let's just use Sam Parr. We out in the hustle. He came to you and said, Listen, I want to write you a million dollar check to just buy your whole thing, come in and like lead our content. Would you take the deal? No. Just you love the freedom right now. The freedom and, and you know, maybe at some point it stagnates and I, the, the revenue doesn't keep going up and the audience size doesn't keep going up. But the fact that I get to do like do this on my own schedule and it's 60, 70 hours a week, it's a ton of work. But the fact that it's my own thing, like I'm even hesitant to hire anybody because yeah. it just it's kind of freedom limiting. So I'm sure I will and I, I'll need to figure out how to scale at some point. But for right now, it's, it's in a pretty good spot, and I'm happy with it. Folks, Packy McCormick, live from a bit, his basement, started at Merrill Lynch, then to Breather, launched this year, started teaching himself writing in June 2020, put up a landing page on Product Hunt, doubled his list on Substack, now with well over 24, 25,000 subs, doing 10,000-ish per week in revenue as it combined between company breakdowns and also sponsor revenue. Also, has a great syndicate on the side, but most importantly, he has freedom, lots of freedom. He loves what he's doing. Packy, thanks for taking us to the top. Nathan, this is a lot of fun.